Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me for Mindshare Matters. Today's guest is a powerhouse of a human being, Heather Mercier, a wonderful friend, a wonderful human, and an amazing, amazing executive. Heather was born in a small village in Illinois and has built an incredible career with an incredible journey, and I'm so excited to share it with you. Let's go. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Mindshare Matters. Today's guest is the one and only Heather Mercier. Heather, thank you so much for joining me. Yes. Thanks for making the time. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So we, we traditionally now start at the very beginning, Heather, and say, where were you born? And give us some context on what it was like growing up. Where did it all start? Where did it all um, start? So I was actually born in right outside of Washington, D.C. in Fort Belvoir, Virginia. My dad was stationed at the Pentagon. Um, but when I was young, we, he retired from the Air Force. He was, went to the Air Force Academy and was a colonel in the Air Force. And um, so he was at the Pentagon. And he retired because he didn't want to miss my sister and my childhood. Oh, no. Yeah, and so he retired and we moved back to Illinois where both he and my mom were from. Um, so went from, uh, you know, D.C. to a small town of 750 people. So that's where I grew up in Hennepin, Illinois. Hennepin. Hennepin, yes. It's a village, technically. Really? <laughs> yes, it's not even a town. <laughs> there it wasn't a stoplight in the entire county that I grew up in. Not just my town, the entire county. Um, so... Growing up in a town that small was, I mean, many parts of it were idyllic, right? Where it was just, you know, come home when the streetlights come on and um, you, you know, there were three or four little parks and elementary school was in our town. Um, so it was, it was great. But then I will say as a contrast, after I graduated from college, I moved to New York and I realized really quickly how Growing up in a very small town, my husband and I, what we say is you have default friends, right? Cause I like it's, that, default it's, friends. It's, there aren't that many people to choose from, yeah. so you you kind of have to fit into the crowd, right? And so um, looking back, there was probably a lot of that in my childhood of just who do I need to be in this very small group of people? So... Um, but, and how old were you when you uh, made the transition to Illinois? Oh, young. I was two, oh, yeah, oh. two and a half. So you really grew up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Grew, oh, totally wow. grew up there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So anyone who knows you would guess your birth order, but uh, tell us your birth order. Yes, I'm, I'm second. <laughs> I'm second, but I'm taller and much louder than my sister. So, And we're only 18 months apart. Um, so we're really close in age, but um, many people guess that I'm older. But just one, just because I'm taller. So I, for some reason, they think if I'm taller at you know over forty, if I'm still growing or something, right? But yeah, it would be um, if I'm taller, I must That's be older. Funny. But but yeah, I, I have a much more outgoing personality, which I think is a birth order thing. Now that I have kids, I don't know. Uh, well, well, and your your focus on achievement yes. and ambition and everything—it's mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. amazing. But I do think it's the dynamics of two is very different. Are very different than the dynamics of three, because in the dynamics of two, you you know the the stereotype is you have the oldest and the youngest who right. 
sort of have the ambition and the drive. Right. Some would argue the youngest is spoiled. Yeah, I'm not going to accuse you of that. Well, I would argue the, the oldest <laughs> is, is spoiled. spoiled. I yes. Know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Coming from an oldest myself. But, uh, <laughs> so both of you, so your sister was a little older. So both of you were really, both of you were really young yep. and really your memories were made in Illinois. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then how did you choose where you were going to go to college and how coming from Illinois? Um, so when I, when college came around, you know, it, um, the like studious part of me was always what came easy. So that was kind of how I defined myself. I was, I definitely was the like wild one of the two of us. My sister did not do anything wrong. Um, so I just had to be different. That wasn't and, sarcastic. That was a real comment. No, that was real. That was real. She, you know, very, um, and, but we both had, you know, straight A's and great, good grades, but on the social aspect, she was straight and narrow where I was the wild one. Um, but I only pushed it so far because the studious part of me, that was important. Like I didn't want to lose that. Yeah. So when it came to college, I one, I originally thought I wanted to go to the Air Force Academy because my dad went there. And so I applied and then I've never heard. That oh, yeah. Before. Yeah. Wow. And then when it came to, OK, you need to get your senator to write a letter and go yeah. to this this place in Chicago for the physical part. I was like, oh, I think then the wild part of me, I was like, I think I wanted just a college experience with, you know, partying and having fun. So backed out of that. And then, you know, I had some dreams of going out of state, but I just decided to go to University of Illinois. It was a big school, good academics. Absolutely. I had a like a full scholarship, so it was and it was two and a half hours away. So it was enough distance where I was had my space. So So you were a straight A student in high school before you went to mm -hmm. UIUC. How do you say it? UIUC? How did they no. say it there? Is so it Urbana Champagne? Yeah, or? it is Urbana it is UIUC, but oh there you just say U of I. U of I, that's, mm -hmm. that's the cool thing. Mm -hmm. That's okay. the cool thing, yeah. Um, in high school, before we transitioned to your college experience, mm -hmm. so you're a straight A student. Um, what we can stop saying that now. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to remind everybody yeah. that you're a straight A student. Um, what, uh, what, sort of, uh, what sort of crowd were you in? You know, we all have the stereotypical crowds that we are yeah. forced into. Yeah, I mean, again, it's small town, small 52 village. in my graduating class. That's it. Yeah. So you were probably the jock and the nerd. Yeah, and the, yeah. like I played, I did. I played sports. Um, I School was important. I mean, everybody knew like that school was important to me, yeah. but I didn't want people to think that, right? So, uh, so yeah, I tried to, I, I didn't want to be in the nerdy, like the nerd group. I don't want to use those words. They sound terrible, but if there's only 52 kids. It's, I mean, it's like. It's okay. Anyone who listens to this is a nerd. So <laughs> okay, good. Okay. So we fit in. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be in kind of that other crowd, but I will say it was really hard for me to fit in there because mm. I still listened to my parents and followed the rules. And it, it was really hard for me, actually. Because. Um, in just the drinking and the kind of a lot of I can remember one person, this one girl that I I was good friends with, but I had to work so hard at being her friend wow. because it it she just she just, you know, it was just different, different. Right. Um, when my when I had to be home at midnight, it was like, she, no, I want to be home at midnight. Was, Why do you care? You know, like, I don't have a curfew. Right. So. Um, but. I remember that a lot about my in high school, really trying to fit in really hard. It's interesting that you so you had that strong and inner compass your whole life. Mm -hmm. you, you always mm -hmm. sort of mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's been, it's something, um, and over the years I've like worked on cultivating, I don't know if that's the right yeah, word, yeah. but getting more in touch, but for sure I've always had a very strong, but that I, that I can look back and know very specific times in my life when I was fighting against it, right? Where I knew it was wrong, but I was still kind right. of like, ah, uh, no, I want to be cool, <laughs> but I'm not cool. <laughs> You've always been cool. No. <laughs> You've always been cool. So you go to Urbana-Champaign, mm -hmm. and um, what do you study, and what's the experience like? Because that's a much, much larger city, oh, yes. relatively yes. speaking. Yeah, I mean, when I was there, I think it was 35,000 undergrad. Um, wow. Yeah, so, but it was always, like, that was great for me. I did not have any problems with that. Um, but it was much more, much more of just desperately trying to fit into this kind of female, um, different mold that, and not that I don't associate with being female, but like this different thing, you know, um, different mold that, it wasn't me, but it was sororities and uh, all this I was stuff. To figure out what you meant by yeah, just you know, like in the mm. and I'll say like body image stuff and like didn't very much like seeking, chasing boys and you know I was I if I would have followed my gut, I was more interested in just do my schoolwork, graduate and go to New York. Really, is what I kind of always wanted to do. So you knew that even mm -hmm. as an eighteen-year-old. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, one Halloween. I don't know how old I was, but at some you know pre high school age, I dressed up as a CEO for Halloween. I'm not shitting you. That's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. That's yes. that's so Heather. Yeah, it is so Heather. <laughs> um, yes. So and and why why New York when you're coming from this little town in in Illinois? Like, honest. This is a honest to God story. Yeah. I was at the orthodontist, so probably 13, 14, and you know, he was working, changing my rubber bands or whatever, and he was talking to his nurse, the orthodontist, about his son that had moved to New York to do investment banking and was working 150 hours a week, and I decided right then that that's what I was gonna do. I, that, that's awesome. Like that. <laughs> It's so demented. It sounds good. I mean, it's so hours a week. I mean, I had no concept of what that was, right? <laughs> you know, like, and even now, if some, if an so employee at our company says to me, "I'm working sixty hours a week," I, you know, I'd be like, "Do you like realize how hard it is to work? Like oh, yeah. the hours you're to working every day?" Map, yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Like that's eight to eight <laughs> exactly. with no lunch. Exactly. Right. You know, and it's like, are you really working eight to eight with no lunch? But so I had no concept of what that meant, and I don't know how many hours I worked when I lived in New York, but. I was, there were, I was at the office till 6 a.m. many nights and came home and showered and went back to the office. So wow. it was probably not 150 though, but I mean. It sounds good though. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds good. good. Demented for someone 13, 14 to be like, that's what I want to do. There are so many topics I want to cover here, but I don't, I really want to dig in on, on, I would have never guessed that you ever struggled fitting in. Oh yeah. And so I'd love to dig in just a sure. little bit on that because sure. sincerely, not what I would have expected. Oh yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And I'd love to hear uh, about the struggle that you would that you imply you faced well, with fitting in. I mean, it's I placed a lot of my worth, mm -hmm. um, and 
I I have done a lot of you know this. I've yeah. done like a lot of woo woo, whatever you want to call it, work on this, and yeah. Yeah. Um, I placed a lot of worth on what other people thought of me um, when I was growing up, and even into my you know twenties until I whatever even into my twenties. But um, and that looking back, I can see that and how mm. hard it was, and going. I mean. Going through sorority rush, U of I has at the time. I don't know if the stat is still true, but the largest Greek system in the nation. Wow, There's 40, 50 some sororities that you have to go through. Wow! It, during the first stage of rush, and you know you're like going through these, you know, being like, pick me, pick me, you know, like, and it just, it's so hard. And then you get just turned down and turned down and turned down and turned down and. I got, I was in a sorority, um, but, and it just felt so awful because that's what my worth was wrapped up in, right? It was like what other people thought. And so. If you, I know you don't have a daughter, but if you had a daughter, would you, what would you tell her? Well, I, even my sons, I mean, I like, I see it, Mm. um, especially with my 13 year old, I've seen him try to fit in he is he's more sensitive he's he's small um and i talk to them about that your worth is inside yeah. like you know and you're special no matter what anybody says and um why do i you know i love you because of who you are not because of anything that you do not because of any grade or not because of any sport or you know it, i yeah so it's but i even talk to female you know employees a lot about getting down on themselves and you I can see that kind of coming out of like like people just we a lot of humans we wrap our worth up in external things right yeah, where you know you're just worthy because you are so I mean not that not that we should or can cover it today but I do think it's unfortunate that I think we all know this but I think it, it deserves being said that physical appearance yes. professionally is much less of a factor. It's mm-hmm. still a factor for men, but it's much less a factor for men than it mm-hmm. is for women. And for sure. It's just the, the, the fragility of that zone that you have to be in oh, professionally for sure. is, is horrible. For sure, for sure, yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure this will come up again as you now start your professional career, but I'd love to, to, to hear your thoughts on jumping into New York. And, and what did you major in, by the way? Finance. Naturally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love um, math. I've always loved math. Um, so even though one of our board members always tells me CFOs should never do math in public because we'll be in a board meeting and I'll be like, oh, well, that's this is, and he'll be like, don't don't, don't say it. Math. Don't say it because the CFO can never be wrong when it comes to a math problem. I'm like, that's thank awesome. you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love math. So did you literally apply only in New York City for jobs or? I, I applied to one job in Chicago, ah, okay. um, but then everything else was in New York. And where did you end up your first your first gig after college? Um, so investment banking in New York at Prudential Securities. I couldn't even remember. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. So. And uh, was it 150 hours a week? You know what? I didn't. It's so I didn't even have a concept then of the hours. But you know, it was on a normal day. It was you know nine to eight, seven or eight. Um, you know, it and it was fine because that was your life, right? So you I do, mean, and that's what you do in New York City, exactly. Building your career. Yeah, exactly. And they'd order dinner in every night, and you expensed it, and you'd got a black car home, and uh, I mean, it was just. But there were, 
plenty of nights where you're there all night and go home, shower, and come back in the morning. But it, it's, it's insane. It's so dumb. I mean, nobody's saving lives. Nobody, you know, it's, it's crazy. It was, it was crazy. But I'm glad I got to experience it. And it, was it what you thought it would be a year into it? Yeah, absolutely. Is, you loved it. Yeah, I loved it, and I learned so much. So much. Could we revisit, and again, I, I don't want to make this about being a woman. No, but, no, it's, but, yeah. But I'd love I to am. hear your thoughts. <laughs> you happen to be. Um, being a woman in investment banking, I know it wasn't that long ago. But yeah, yeah. That long yeah, ago. Right, yeah. What was that like? Did you feel, did you feel, um, did you feel the same insecurities around getting accepted or, or you know, being well received? No. So it was a college thing. It, but, but. Like I got my job because of this. Yeah, yeah. I I think. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, no one ever made me feel like I got my job because of the way I looked. Where trying to get into a sorority mm. felt absolutely like I was being chosen because of so the way I looked, or like my social, like was I fun enough? That's right? horrible. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like was my personality good enough? Where, where my in New York and and work has always felt like. I am who I am because of my brain, not my looks. And I honestly, so, and I think I've shared this with you before. I have never had a concept of, I have less or more because I'm a female. Mm. And it's only probably been in the last five years maybe that I have forced myself to pay attention more and to be more aware because I feel that in my position, you know, there aren't that many, especially in Utah, executive women and that I need to be more present to this. So it, but I've never in my life did I feel, um, it, except once when I was working in private equity, they did say to me, they were like, they wanted me to stay so bad. I wanted to leave to have kids and they wanted me to stay. And they mm. said, we do not pay for anyone to go back to business school, but we probably would for you because we need more female partners. And it didn't even bother me at the time, but it, you know, it probably the been like, really should have been. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, um, but that's really the only time, right? That I can, so. Again, you're wired for investment banking, mm -hmm. um, but you decided not to do that forever. Well, I got laid off. So, because mm. 9 11. So, after 9 That's 11. What it. Yep, exactly. Uh -huh. So, after about six months after 9 11, the whole, they shut down the whole bank and decided, proved it, to just be research focused mm. um, and on the equity side. And so, and at that time, then I was really fortunate. Within two weeks, I got a job um, at another firm, but it was much more restructuring focused because the debt markets had crashed and um, you know people were going bankrupt. And this was Adelphia and um, I'm trying to think of the other big one that happened, but like all these you know telecoms and all sorts of scandals and everything. So I did that, but. I don't know that I would, I probably wouldn't have left investment banking had that not happened because I was enjoying it. I liked it. So had that not happened, you might have not even ended up in Utah for the last. No, I probably, no, because I knew 
that you did investment banking for two to three years. Like that's mm-hmm. the cycle. Like I, I, I knew in my head, that's what you do. And then you either go back to business school or you go to private equity. Like that's, and I didn't know that going into New York. I was so naive. Like coming from Illinois, I got this sure. job in investment banking and I was in an uh, analyst class with, you know, all these people from the East Coast that oh, yeah. were like, no, this is like, you do this for two years, then you go to, you know, Columbia or Stanford or Harvard, and then you go to private equity. And I was like, what? Who teaches this to you? Like, do you learn this in high school? Like, <laughs> Where's the playbook? Exactly. Is it hidden yeah. somewhere? Yeah. It was like, my parents didn't tell me this. Um, so I learned very quickly what you do. And when I went to restructuring, that was very different. And so actually getting my job in private equity in Boston was really hard um, because my background was different. It wasn't the three years of investment banking, mm. two years of private equity, business school. Like that's the kind of. You know, I, I love the fact that you mentioned it just a few minutes ago. Um, you've never felt like being a woman was something that defined you mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. Or that, right. Um, how. How do you believe that there are expectations, and I'm not trying to lead you, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you managed the expectations of being a mom and a significant other with being a high-powered executive? Mm-hmm. Um, and do you, have, do you have a take that might be unconventional, or what, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, my take, and it's, so let me just answer the question in my position today, yeah. and then rewind 10 years, you know, when I was having my second. But today, my take is, and everybody knows this, my family's first. It's, there's no question. And I do a really good job balancing, and I have an amazing partner in Chuck that, you know, he he allows me to do what I do many times, you know, in most cases, right? But um, I have learned that, like, everything is, there's you just have to have your you have to have priorities and I don't mean that you have to have your priorities straight I'm just saying if I have to make a choice between a meeting and a baseball game I'm gonna choose the baseball game and just say like I I want to be there and I can but I'll start at seven to make that meeting happen right it's you know so it's like it's not that I don't give and take, or I'll do the meeting at eight o'clock at night after the game is over, right? But it's, um, so that's, and that's easy, right? I'm like, I'm one of the most yeah. senior people at the company. Yeah. I can make my own schedule at yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, but I would, like, so when I was having my second son, um, I was working for a company in Jackson Hole, and um, it was a scheduled C-section. And I was leaving the next morning. The C-section was the next morning. And I was on a business call and we were selling a business. And um, the guy said, okay, you know, can we follow up tomorrow or something? And I was like, well, I'm, ha- I'm giving birth tomorrow morning, <laughs> literally. But I'm like, let's just talk, uh, you know, I, let's talk at like four. And he's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and it like, it kind of like smacked me in the face of like, come on, Heather, like, let's give a little bit more attention to your unborn child. Like, you know, I just, sometimes I get in that like business mode where it's so, and I, yeah, so, I mean, it's not always been easy. Like I haven't always drawn clear boundaries when I should have. Um, So I don't, 
I don't know. But my take generally has always been my family is my first priority. And, um, but I'll still work as hard, if not harder, than anybody else you hire, you know? But I really appreciate that. And I appreciate your reference to Chuck because that seems to be the pattern, whether mm -hmm. man or woman. For sure. It's that sort of delicate balance of having the support of another partner mm -hmm. and somehow balancing it all. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, and Absolutely. That seems to be consistent. Yeah. It's, I appreciate that. I will say, you know, my mother-in-law was telling me once that uh, we were back in, well, actually, I wasn't there. I stayed in um, Utah because I was working, but it was in the summer, and Chuck took the kids back to Illinois when both of our parents still lived there for like three weeks. And my mother-in-law told me that they had a friend over at the house, and Hank was probably four at the time. And he was saying to them, yeah, you know, my mom works, but my dad is a stay-at-home dad because they don't want us to be with someone else. They don't, they want, they want one of the parents to be with us. And I was like, my kid was like, it's so funny though that they pick that stuff that. up, you know? Um, it was really, it was really cute when she told me that. So I like that. I think it's so cool. And I, I think, imagine what you're teaching your two boys mm -hmm. around their perception I've, of women their perception of what a significant other for them would be mm -hmm. like. Yeah. It's, it's so impressive. Well, and I left private equity to have kids. And I thought that I wanted, I didn't know what having kids was going to do to me. My mom was a teacher. As far as I was concerned, she was a stay-at-home mom because she was always there for, you know, when I, she was there when I was home, whenever I was home. And um, so I left and realized when my first son was about six months old that I really missed working and it was a very hard kind of looking in the mirror and saying I literally remember standing in the mirror and saying it out loud to myself wow. because I felt like such a bad mom but I knew I knew a better mom better wife better per like that it's so it's a part of me and it's good for my kids right to see it it's so and I'm there for them I don't I don't even worry at all about being there for them so Heather now that you have all the success that you've had and will continue to have. Um, if you were to think about what your superpower is, if you were to sort of identify, this is the thing that has allowed me to get to this point. And this is the thing that has allowed me to go from uh, coming from a little village in <laughs> Illinois to being the CFO of one, one of the most successful SaaS companies in, in Utah. Um, what is the superpower? Well, you know, it's, I, I don't know if early in my career, if it was just horsepower and brain power and grit, um, because I definitely didn't associate with what I'm going to, how I'm going to answer back then, yeah. but it probably, there was probably this, but it's empathy. Like I, mm -hmm. um, and in the last five years, I will say my success and career has, I was successful before, but it has like I have helped our company become more successful because I allow that part of me to, I don't cage it, right? Like I use feeling when I run the business. Um, and it, I've always kind of had that. Like I could, even as a, you know, 21 year old going into a meeting in New York, like I could read the room, you know, like I knew, what was happening and I might not have been confident enough to speak up, but that confidence came right as I, I got more confident. By the time I was in Boston, um, you know, 10, I don't know what that was, five years into my career, 
I, I was confident enough to speak up in meetings. And when I could read the room, I would say things to, you know, change the mood of the room. And um, I think that it's, yeah, helped me a lot. Um, you know, some assume that once you've achieved this level of professional success, you're sort of there, you know, you're, you're, you've, you've made it. Do you have aspirations beyond this? And let's not talk in the next few years, <laughs> like 10 years from now, five years from now, do you have aspirations? No, I don't know. I honestly, and, you, and we've talked about this before. I don't know. Um, I don't know what's next. I, I know what I want to accomplish now. at right now. Yeah. And um, I'm very committed to accomplishing that. But I don't know. I don't, I really, it's so vast to me. Do, do you feel like you were like that 10 years ago as well? Or is that a new thing? Um, no, I think I've, I, I feel 10 years ago, I would say. So I've been in my current, um, with my current company for uh, eight and a little over eight years. And no, I would say 10 years ago, I didn't know. 10 years ago, I would have probably said, I want to be in like investing right? Like mm -hmm. private equity, investing in businesses. I felt very successful in those roles. Um, and uh, coming over the operating side, I never imagined how much I would love it. Oh, come on. Seriously? I didn't. I really didn't. I really, <laughs> no, I'm being yeah, sarcastic. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> mom, investment bankers have the nice, clean job. They're not in hand-to-hand yeah. -hand combat like we are. But right? it's like operations it's, is so much more fulfilling. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, after doing what I've done, or you know this, because you do this, you're a better investor having been an operator, hands down. You understand it. Oh, my gosh. You understand what it's like on the ground. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So... Okay, I'm gonna ask you, you don't know that I'm gonna ask you this, but I would love for you to think about this and answer it as honestly as you're able to. What is your biggest regret? <laughs> what is your biggest regret? Um, a decision that you regret or a position you took that you regret? Hmm. Could be recent, it could be older. Actually, what? I was going to say, and it's not as specific as a single decision, but um, my, honestly, what came to mind, so I'm just going to yeah. say it, is allowing, like, all the years that I, like, beat myself up mm. and didn't know I was good enough, right? Didn't know my worth, um, because it's, it's good years, right? Like I, I didn't love college. I didn't love high school. Um, and I had fun, but I don't, I look back and there aren't like, you know, there aren't memories where I'm like, oh, that was so amazing. You know, some people are like, I would love to go back to college, right? And no, and it just was, you know, yeah, it wasn't fun. So that's, I would, I would, that's a little different question than what you're saying, because I would go back and try and talk to that person, you know. Say, and say what? Because some 21-year-old is listening now. Yeah. You're worthy. You're good enough. I mean, don't listen to everybody that 
it's so funny. I love when um, Greta, uh, what's her last name, the environmentalist, the young girl. She oh, told, uh, it's yes. Thorn. Th- I, I don't know. Yes. I'm going to say it wrong, so I'll just say Greta. Um, but it's, there's some meme that is on, I've seen on LinkedIn, where it's like when they go after your looks, they have nothing left, right? You know, and it's... it's oh, I love that. Right. It's just like you have so many gifts. Everybody does, right? Focus. Yeah, I mean, it's not even focus on your gifts, like, because the way you look is a gift. It's who you're meant to be, right? So that's, yeah, but. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Okay, the closing question, and I always have to say, aside from your family. (laughs) I've heard you say that before. (laughs) What are you most proud of? The person I've become. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I have, like, I've had to go to like dark places in inside of me that I've touched on, right? To let that go, to realize um, who I am. And I am so proud of that. Like I, I am so proud of that. And I want to be like a good human and connect with humanity and shine bright and all those things and um i am now and it's literally it's literally been in the last five years um so thanks for that candid answer and i couldn't agree more i mean i'm sincerely so grateful of all of the support and friendship that you've shown me um as i ventured here and and this journey but ditto you've done for everyone else (laughs) yeah Thank you so much, Heather. Thanks for the chat. Thanks for making the time. Yes, thank you for having me.